I, I cooked for several people that it wasn't a fit. Jared mm-hmm. Leto is also one that mm-hmm. it just wasn't a fit. He seems like a tough guy to please. Don't take that yes. one personal. Yeah, I got kicked out before dinner was ready. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I did breakfast so and lunch and then dinner was like in the oven and his assistant came and was like, it's time to leave. <laughs> R-O-T all right guys welcome back to the rotten <laughs> podcast we're on episode 28 baby and we have a special guest this with is us. a very special episode for me guys if you guys don't know who sammy udell is she is the founder of whole sam and is a celebrity chef in la and has expanded her business to host multiple chefs underneath her you've cooked for priyanka chopra nick jonas the jonas brothers a lot of rappers you guys all know um and makes incredible incredible food i kid you not i remember the first time you ever made me a chimichurri steak i was in heaven so yeah and i just tried to do an intro and botched it so tiffany you just did a good job thank Thank you you. (laughs) (laughs) but what's going on sammy not much (laughs) So Sammy is actually one of my oldest friends, and uh, I'm so happy to have you here because you have such an inspiring story that I've told so many people about. And in general, I'm just so happy to have such an independent, successful woman as a friend. Um, And we have such an interesting relationship where I, you've known me my whole life. And uh, I used to be really overweight. And you are one of the few people that's really still in my life that has seen that side of me. I was like 100 pounds heavier. And um, one day I started eating healthy and it started inspiring a couple people around me. You were one of them. Yeah. And um, you have just taken off being a private chef. Yeah, it it was actually the reason why I started cooking because you came to visit me in college and then... I said, wow, you look so happy and healthy and your skin is glowing and you did lose a lot of weight. What are you doing differently? And I remember you just said, oh, I don't eat out anymore. I just cook my own meals. Yeah. And I was like, and there was a specific Which is a crazy meal. thing to do when you're 19, 20 yeah. years old. Normally you're just eating 30 cent ramen at the time and eating yeah. out with your friends. You're not cooking for yourself at that age. And that's what you were doing in Boulder. When you would be making food, it would be like ramen with yeah. like ramen. an onion in there. And like, I remember you telling me that yeah. you didn't even know how to like make pasta. I didn't. And- that moment that you came to visit me and you told me that you were cooking for yourself. I will never forget it because... I didn't even know what it meant to cook for myself. So I was, do you want to go to the grocery store and show me? And we literally made what? We literally made a bowl of quinoa with sliced avocado, Yum. opened a can of black beans and drained it, put black beans and hot sauce. And I, <laughs> I remember it eating it outside. And I was like, whoa, we're the best chefs ever. <laughs> it was such a simple recipe. Yeah, it was like black beans, quinoa, avocado. Maybe hot, hot sauce. sauce, maybe a little like nutritional yeast. Yeah. I don't know. It was so taboo back then to be like shopping at Whole Foods and to be yeah. talking about almond milk and quinoa. Like nobody knew what those things were. And then when we ate that meal, I remember being so inspired that that night I went online and I bought a couple cookbooks. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that you bought cookbooks That's that so night. Cute. That's crazy. Yeah. I had no idea That's that Matt had such a big part of 
your yeah. life. Matt is the reason why I started cooking. So like I said, I bought some cookbooks and then I actually moved to my house in Breckenridge, which is just in the middle of the woods. And I started a blog mm. called Healthy in the Woods. And I would That's just fun. That's a good name. Yeah, I, I know. Sometimes I, I think, love that brand. I remember I seeing that. It, I'm like, if I would have just stayed Stuck consistent, it, yeah. it'd be huge. Circa like 2011. Yeah. Oh, before blogging was massive. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, and the branding was so it. good. It was so cute. It was like smoothie bowls, like in the snow, and like yeah. all these healthy recipes. <laughs> I need to show you pictures. It was so cute, but I had so many issues, imposter syndrome. I had. All this stuff saying that the other people that were doing it were just doing it so much better that mm-hmm. it got to me. And I, it was just always so hard on myself. But when I look back on it now, I'm like, those photos are bomb. Like, <laughs> I still have one of those pictures framed in my kitchen. Oh, Wait, wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. So you but, were living in Breckenridge and then you moved out to L.A., yeah. right? Yeah, so I was living in Breckenridge. I was doing Healthy in the Woods. And then I came to visit my older brother, Jake. And I just came to visit and stay with him for a weekend. And I was so inspired by the food of L.A. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm going to get a coffee and you could get coconut milk, almond milk, soy milk. This is cool. You can't even get all that in Boulder, which is a very progressive place. Mm. And I loved the farmer's market in Los Angeles. So in that moment, my brother told me he was running a music management company that was in Shaquille O'Neal's old house. Mm -hmm. And he was living with eight guys that were all under the age of like 24, 25. So the energy of the house was also very hustle bustle. He told me I could live in his closet. Oh my God. So I did. Hold on, back up a little bit because you just like said Shaquille O'Neal's name like so (laughs) casually. Like, yeah, my my brother yeah. was running a studio out of Shaq's house. Yeah. Okay, so my older brother, first of all, has always been an entrepreneur since he came out of the womb. Like Matt probably remembers from high oh, school. Yeah. My brother won like most ambitious, but it was also a little bit confusing for people at that age mm-hmm. why he worked so hard. So he was definitely misunderstood. And but people knew my brother. He was so successful even in high school. And so I always looked up to my brother, like, how does he know what he wants to do at such a young age? I just want to, you know, party with my friends. I don't think I'll ever have that type of passion in my life. And then when I moved out to L.A. and I lived in his closet, so he got Shaquille O'Neal's old house because he was just successful even at the age of 22 or 23. And when I moved in with him, I started cooking even more. I started cooking for the guys that were in his office and they were always like, oh, these pancakes, oh, this frittata oh my god I love your raw pies so it kind of gave me more confidence yeah and then Jake my brother had a big party for a bunch of people in networking and music again everyone was like under the age of 25 and people would just come over and really just drink and I felt like coming from Boulder there was a little bit of a lack of connection at the parties it was kind of just like who's wearing the coolest outfits Mm, and very LA very LA and I was new so I kind of could see it and I told my brother if you give my if me if you give me your credit card I'll make all the food so at least the party will have a home cooked heartbeat like this will be more special. I would kill to go to a party where your food is the center of attention. I'm like yeah but no I think it was just because yeah, it was just your little sister did yeah. all this. It kind of also made my brother look cool. And so I cooked all the food at the party. And it was the first time I had ever cooked for more than, you know, one, two people. Mm-hmm. The first time ever. And Ludacris, the rapper slash actor's personal assistant, was at the party, tried the food, said he loved it, said that he wants to give my number to Ludacris and that 
I'm the best chef he's had the best food he's had in eight years and in that moment I mean I'm in <laughs> LA for like three or four months at this moment and I'm like I could be Ludacris's private chef I would literally do anything for that opportunity how old were you at that Point. You must have been what? 20? I was like 22. Okay. So this all happened for you so quickly into yeah. getting into LA. I feel like some people go into LA and for 10, 15 years are still not making it. Yeah. And you just, you found your spot in LA yeah. really fast. It, it, it is true. And it's funny because my dad said I was going to hate LA. He was like, you're going <laughs> to live there for a day and you're going to hate it. It's going to chew you up, spit you out, fake people, bad people. And I love LA. I mean, it, it is my place of passion and I see LA as a home for dreamers and when I fell into that it was like instantly I could do whatever I want and I thought oh do I have to go to culinary school to be Ludacris's private chef but the pieces just kept falling into place and Ludacris actually called me himself which now that I've been in this industry for like 10 years it's pretty rare that a celebrity would just pick up their personal number and call you and I was at a concert and I was like hello he's like what up Sam it's Luda I was like, okay, wait, I have he to run. He was Luda. <laughs> I have to run. And his voice is so distinct. Yeah. So I'm like, I know this is ludicrous. This is literally ludicrous. And this is definitely ludicrous on the phone. And I ran to the bathroom and he was like, Josh told me you're the best chef. I need to try your food. Keep in mind at this point, it's fake it, like, till you make it. Yeah. I was actually a vegan at the time. <laughs> and he was paleo. He only ate meat. Meat. Yeah. So what was that like having to cook for someone where you couldn't try the food? Or did you try it? I would How does it work? I, I, I barely remember. I would taste the sauce and stuff. Mm -hmm. You'd have and a gauge for yeah. like the flavors and stuff. Yeah. But I didn't eat the meat at the time. That's but crazy. as I was cooking for him more and more and more, I started craving meat more and more and more. And I started dreaming about meat. And then there was one day where I was like, wait, let me check in with myself. Mm -hmm. Why am I being a vegan? Because mm -hmm. I had read a lot of vegan books. I had watched a lot of vegan documentaries. I really believed in it from like protecting the animals, health, the environment, all of yeah. it. And then one day I was just like, I'm not sure. And I'm, I can't ignore my body's desire that's yeah. craving yeah. it too. And you said something too that was interesting. I don't know if I just jumped to No, 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 no. You said something that was interesting also that I completely forgot about. But when you were saying that you came to L.A., and it was so exciting for you that, you know, coffee shops had almond milk, macadamia milk, like all these different things. I totally forgot about that as well, because I remember around the same time we were all so passionate in finding out about health and finding yeah. places. We would get so excited if there was a restaurant, a place, a town that that would serve these things to us. And like I completely forgot about that time. Now it's very common to be mm -hmm. able to find more progressive food, and health has become so so much. But you're more. laughing. I'm really just laughing because I didn't think I would bring this up. But <laughs> yes, I wrote I wrote an eighth grade letter one time, and it, me and Matt were super close mm -hmm. in eighth grade, but we were so different. And I wrote a letter saying that out of all my friends in eighth grade, I just don't think I'm going to talk to Matt Fine when I graduate high school because we're just so different and out of all my friends I think I'm going to be best friends with her 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 him him and I don't know if I'll be friends with Matt wait then, what did he do in eighth grade that made you be like uh, I don't know about this guy well what I was just thinking is that I feel like in high school me and Matt and even in middle school we were rebellious mm -hmm. maybe we would drink on the weekends or you know things that kids aren't supposed to be doing and 
I was just laughing that you were saying, oh, we were looking for macadamia <laughs> nut milk. <laughs> That's so innocent. <laughs> it's like, flash forward just like six years, and I feel, and especially now, because mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you. You were telling me that you're so proud of me, but I'm so proud of you. And Thank you. I just never would have expected That's that so funny. I those forgot about the letter. Yeah. would come to be the macadamia nut searchers. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I think most people probably in junior high thought that we my trajectory not. in life wouldn't be probably what it is. Yeah. But I, I feel like kids just go through that. You yeah. know, it's such a weird time. I mean, I remember we yeah. had so many weird situations, friend groups. It's all so serious and intense. It feels like the world. It was just like AIM and MySpace. Yeah. And it's such a confusing time as a kid where I still feel those feelings, though. Like, I still feel the feelings of like, all the popular girls, like not you, but like all your friends feeling like I was like looked down upon by them, you know, like I'll never have that feeling leave, you know, in a weird way. I do know what you mean because sometimes I'll have dreams about it and I wake up and I'm like, wait, I don't really talk to all these people so Mm -hmm. much. Why am I still dreaming Mm -hmm. about it? Especially the parents too. Like the parents always like, made me feel like I was, like, such a bad kid. Like, they didn't want their kids I mean, you sounded like a bad kid from all the stories I've heard about. So I, <laughs> I don't was, think it's... Yeah, I wasn't... The, like, you I were was drinking, not a, no, 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 sneaking I wasn't out, drinking doing in, I wasn't drinking drugs. in junior high. I wasn't drinking in junior high. But, yes, no, I could yeah. see it for sure. But it wasn't like I was, like, you know, doing, like, cocaine or, like, yeah. doing seriously bad things. Like, here's this kid that's, like, kind of, like, charismatic. Like, maybe he's going through something, but... Well, I would also say you're very like influential. I don't know if you know that about yourself. You're very charismatic. So when someone you people gravitate towards you, I've seen it whenever we're at parties and stuff like that. So I can see why parents are like, okay, this kid is very charismatic. If my kid becomes friends with him, he can influence them. Mm -hmm. I mean, like when we met, I was influenced eating healthier. Like I've like you, I, (laughs) I eat so many veggies now. I cook him veggies. I have a million veggies in the fridge before you that wasn't the case and you are influential so like good thing you're influencing for the better but i could see why maybe in high school you i'm just saying influence i guess to to wrap it up because i don't want to talk more about myself (laughs) it it's just like those it's so interesting how especially when we spend time together and i think about more of my childhood and we have all these like memories and stories it brings me back to those feelings in that time and it's like those things don't leave you which is so crazy even 10, 20 years later, which is nuts. Um, Searching for macadamia nuts. (laughs) So I do want to hear more about your first time cooking for a celebrity. So what do you remember the first meal you made, Ludacris? I don't remember the first meal, but I do remember the first moment when I showed up at his house. (laughs) First of all, I curled my hair and I wore it down, which you would never do as a chef. Mm -hmm. And I wore high heels. (laughs) I was 22. Yeah. You're like, I'm just pr- trying to put my best foot forward. Yeah. And um, I remember I dropped a glass bowl on my first day and it shattered. And I was so nervous. And he was like, you seem really nervous. Do you want to take a shot? No, <laughs> no way. way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he seems so nice. He's so nice. He really, he changed my life because he took a chance on me. And I actually went on to work with him for four or five years Mm -hmm. so that just having that as my first client was so impactful because then people will message me like how do I decide my rates 
you know, if you start at a lower rate in the beginning, it's you start attracting the people that want to pay that rate. Mm -hmm. And I started with a celebrity and I started attracting all these celebrities really fast. And I think that it was because I was already I had him on my roster. People knew I worked for him. And so, yeah, I mean, besides the fact that he changed my life, he's also a very kind and down to earth human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've I met him one time, which is hilarious. Oh yeah, you used to drop off my food for me. I feel like once in a while. So you had a food truck, obviously, yeah. and uh, you would do events, and from time to time, I would come help him work out. You had me drop off his food, and I had your car, and you're like, get gas before you go, like the night before, or whatever. And I woke up in the morning and I had forgot to get gas. So I'm like, oh, shit, I'm kind of running behind. I got to get gas. But like, I didn't have time. So you were like, yeah, just like, you know, if you can like try to avoid being seen, like I don't really it's not the best look, obviously, to have like random people he doesn't know dropping off the food. But it was kind of like the sentiment was like, you know, just like drop it off and like get the fuck out of there. Yeah. So anyways, I'm driving there. I go, I get to the house, I drop the food off. I'm wearing pajamas, like in my, <laughs> like my pajama pants, because again, I was like not running high behind. heels and a dress. I was running behind and I, I was not planning on seeing anybody. I was just drop it off, go. I drop it off and I'm leaving. I get in the car and I hear, do you work for Sam? And I was like, yeah. And then it's ludicrous. He's in the driveway and he's like, oh, like my, I have a flat tire and I need to get to the gym. Do you think oh you could God, give me I a ride? This. Car was so messy, and he. Oh, wait, this was your car. He borrowed my car. My car yeah. was so messy. So he's like, "Hey, do you think you can give me a ride down like Sunset and drop me off at the gym?" And I was like, "Absolutely." So he comes in the car. I was like a little nervous, but I'm like, "Whatever." He's a person. <laughs> I'm dropping him off. No big deal. I was like, "Shit!" I hope that this I don't run out of gas. Like literally dropping him off. That would be so embarrassing and also funny. But anyways, we're sitting on Sunset and in. In my head, I'm just like, this is hilarious. I'm like sitting in the car. Like people are like stopped at a stoplight. And I'm just like in the car with Ludacris, right? Did you guys have a conversation? Was we it had like quiet? a very brief, con- it wasn't like awkward, but it wasn't like forced by any means. It mm-hmm. was just, like, it was the morning also. Like, you know, when you're in the morning, you're waking up, like no one really wants to talk. And I wasn't yeah. trying to be like, hey, da, da. he was like, you know, he was sitting on his phone and he's like, how long have you known Sam? And I'm like, oh, I've like known her my whole life. Like she's a good That's homie. A good like luck. all these things, yeah. like, you know. Oh, she found me on Craigslist this morning. <laughs> yeah, because you imagine. Imagine. And then I dropped him off and he was a nice guy and that was it. I didn't bother him. It was just like, you know, it was a mutual kind of like. For some reason I didn't know about this story. Yeah, it was so funny. And then I called Tish you and you were like, oh my God, no way. Um, I think I was so embarrassed because my car, like, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit more organized mm-hmm. and cleaner. When I was that age, my car was so messy. And I think when you told him he was in my car, I was like, yeah, that's so bad. D- does he know that it was your car? I don't think he probably Maybe. was thinking too much about it. Yeah. Like he was just on his phone. He just he needed, needed a ride to the gym. To the gym. Yeah. Right. But like that always, that reminds me back to that era in your life, which seemed to go on for quite a bit, but yeah. I have never met anybody and I will stand on this. I've never met anybody who worked as hard as you for yeah. as long as you did. Mm-hmm. Like there were days where it was like, you're prepping for a whole festival you have the food truck. Yeah. You have three, four high-profile clients that need all these specific different things. You're coordinating all these different things. The middle of the night, you're running around looking for onions. Like, <laughs> an insane lifestyle. Yeah. And I always had so much admiration because that was such a change from who you were before. The shift was, like, so night and day yeah. that it's like... Do you think that it's like you were able to work that hard because... It was something that you loved or it was like, 
all these situations were almost like piled on you. Like there was so much pressure that there yeah. was no time to like think about doing anything else. Right. Or Yeah. I think it's a few things. And for one, I am a big procrastinator. So having to have Ludacris's breakfast on the table is like pretty good motivation mm-hmm. or Nick Jonas's dinner or Jerry Goff's meal prep or, you know, it's like celebrities. Like mm-hmm. I can't let them down. And there were times they needed to eat. So I do have, like, time management issues. It was almost like the more I piled on my plate, the more likely I was going to have everything done. Mm. I I feel like I work the same way. I I work way better under pressure than when someone's giving me a lot of time to finish a project. Yeah, I definitely work better under pressure. So it was all the pressure was just fueling me. And I remember the shift of my life, which was when I decided to start a food truck. I always had a lot of ideas in my head. But the day that I decided that I'm going to start a food truck and I launched a Kickstarter campaign, I was already working for Ludacris, but Mm -hmm. I decided that I also wanted to own a food truck. That was felt like a dream that it honestly kind of happened in 24 hours, but it felt like a very real dream. And when I launched the Kickstarter campaign, I raised like Sixteen or seventeen thousand dollars in twenty-four hours, and it wow. was all from friends and families and acquaintances and people that I had met in my life. And when the money came in, it was just like that was my shift in life. It, I have this money, and I have to make people proud, proud. that they mm-hmm. invested in me. And the fact that this many people invested in me it made had me faith have, in you. yeah have faith in me. It made me have faith in me too it gave me confidence mm-hmm. i was like damn if they believe in me i guess i should just do it yeah i mean you were talking a little bit about your imposter syndrome when you first got to la yeah or was it oh no when you were living in boulder with healthy in the yeah. woods you had imposter syndrome do you think any of that stemmed from having really successful older brother yeah and feeling compared to him yeah i think so I still have it. So maybe that's like the high school never going to go away. Like, I don't think my imposter syndrome is ever going to go away. It's hard. Like, it's actually even worse maybe now because people are like, oh, you work for Nick Jonas, Priyanka Chopper Jones, 2 Chains, Ludacris. Like, your food must be so good. So two things really quick. Can (laughs) you give the listeners like a maybe a brief little rundown of all the like your clients, cool people you've cooked for? Yeah. That you're allowed to share? I feel like I said some. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the athletes. I worked with Kevin Durant before. I feel like that's pretty cool. I cooked for LeBron before. That's insane. He was just at 2 Chains house one time. <laughs> just kind Two of Chains really casual. 2 Chains has been a big client for you. 2 Chains, honestly, out of all my clients, I would say that 2 Chains and I are like the closest of friends mm-hmm. out of everybody. Like he'll just text me like, do you have an idea or, you know, we're just, I feel the most myself around him. So mm-hmm. that's. Probably why you think of him. I've worked with him for a long time, probably five years now. That's crazy. He's had a couple of my chefs at my company cook his food before. Um, I worked with a lot of athletes, like I was saying. And Draymond Green, I used to go up to San Francisco a lot. Mm -hmm. One time I cooked a crazy event for Draymond Green where it was like the richest people of San Francisco. And Steph and Aisha Curry were there. And all these people. Really, really wealthy people were there. I mean, the follow-up to that also is like, I was taught, so Tiffany and I were at uh, Bakari two nights ago, and we got like carrots or whatever, and we had been getting carrots quite a bit out, and we love carrots. Um, oh, I know. And I was telling about. her, 
Sammy's candied carrots oh. on the bowl of goodness from your food truck was and is my favorite food of all time. I mean, I oh. used to tell you that, and you know that. I would track down your food truck. I would work events solely to be able to eat the food. Yeah. And I didn't know food could be as good as it was until you started getting good at cooking. And I've been there like during this whole like seeing your progress and like it's crazy to me that you do have imposter syndrome because like you're literally sitting <laughs> it's here even saying crazy to me. No, no, but it's like you're sitting here saying like, you know, two chains, I've been working with him for five years. And like if you're cooking someone's food, if your food is good, they're gonna wanna work with you. If yeah. your food isn't good, they're gonna wanna stop. So clearly the universe and all these people, the word of the mouth word of mouth is like telling you like, hey, your food's really good. Yeah. Hey, people like it. Hey, people yeah. like it. No, totally. And I know better than anybody that if a celebrity doesn't like you, they're just going to dismiss you because that's they have enough money to replace you mm -hmm. in an instant. So they move quick, too. Yeah. And I do know that. And I I understand why I was successful as a private chef, because I'm very intuitive. And if you just tell me a few things about what you like and what you don't like and what you're craving, it's easy for me to feed you every single day to make menus. It's actually something I struggle with some of the chefs that work at my company when I send them one of the client profiles and then they send me back menus. And you're like, and no. I'm like, did you look at a photo of them? Like, did you try to put yourself in their shoes? Like, did you see what they love? Mm -hmm. It's like they told you what they love. Just make a menu based around that. They yeah. And they were like way out of left field throwing in like, lamb chops when the client's favorite food is white fish it's it's just like make white fish mm -hmm. they love it so people tend to overcomplicate things I, out of yeah. like an insecure also place. it's it's a lot of pressure to cook for a celebrity chef so it's yeah it, they probably want to make it as fancy as possible like mm -hmm. white fish doesn't sound as fancy as yeah. lamb chops you know yeah, or whatever totally. it may be yeah yeah i think that was like one of my biggest skills as a private chef was that I could see your schedule, I could see what you love and what you dislike, and I could just know your personality, and then I could just start feeding you breakfast, lunch, and dinner based off of, like, if you left tomatoes on the plate, I'll just, like, almost, like, robotically readjust. Like, okay, you don't, you like tomatoes, but you don't want 10, you want four, mm -hmm. or I'm really good at taking inventory of what they like, what they don't like, and also, oh, you have an NBA game tonight, or you're going to be on stage at a concert on a airplane i'm gonna give you something that you can like eat with your hands mm -hmm. or you know something very clean i'm not gonna give you like a very saucy moroccan chicken when you're gonna be on a private jet you know mm -hmm. whatever i mean you could but so how In many <laughs> how many chefs are underneath you now um wait can i say one thing really quick before we get to that because this makes so much sense hearing you explain that because one of the things i was going to talk about is when i think about someone who's like a huge networker and has such a big friend group and is connected to so many people you are the first person who always comes to mind because you whenever i've been with you at certain places you know so many people you have so many freaking friends yeah and that makes so much sense because you are good with people you are good at making those connections yeah. so it makes sense that you're able to read people's um, even if it's something as like, what do they like to eat or how much do they like to eat? That is like, yeah. I didn't realize that that was also I, such a big part that probably lends itself to why you are such a good private chef, private chef in yeah. general. And I don't have imposter syndrome about that part. I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking good at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <can> I say? <laughs> but yeah, I think the cooking part of it is, yeah, you know, it's also a little bit, um, 
I don't know if you ever felt like this about making videos, I'm not sure, or making music. It's like you're putting your heart into that piece of art or mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. thing that you're spending a lot of time on. And food is like, you know, same like music. Like someone roll needs to, you know, play the next song. Someone needs to eat the next meal. So I think when it comes to what's on the plate and it's such a subjective view of if someone liked it or not, I think that's where some of that imposter comes from because mm. it's like... I think it tastes good, and I know it tastes good, but, like, would another chef... I think a lot of the imposter syndrome comes from other chefs, more so than oh, okay. the the celebrity clients. I know celebrity clients really like me, and I've had success with that, and I know my family likes me, so I'm good. But when it comes to, you know, putting yourself on the internet and other chefs are looking, I feel that the private chef industry at large has kind of a connotation of oh you are a private chef you're not a real chef or oh you're not a michelin star or whatever it may be and your self-taught is Mm -hmm. also looked down upon sometimes but also sometimes it works in your favor um but you know what the pandemic actually had a really positive impact on the private chef space because before mm. the pandemic, it was like, if you don't work for the Michelin star chef and slave away for at least 80 hours a week, mm-hmm. then you're a pussy. Can I say? Yeah, you yeah. go then for you're it. You're a pussy or you're just like, you know, you're not cool. But mm. what makes you cool is like, you know, the the proof that you're putting in the work. But mm. then when the pandemic hit, I felt like everybody wanted more work-life balance and it kind of a lot of chefs came out of the random valley and were now I'm I'm down to work less for more money and that's actually sounding seemingly cooler at this moment than hurting myself and ruining my life and not having time for a family so it really put a shift on the private chef industry and it was one of the best things that could ever happen for my business Since I've known you, you have talked about having other chefs underneath you. And I'm so happy to see over the last two years you've been able to do it. Yeah. And it was it started because you got COVID and you couldn't. Yeah. You couldn't cook for your celebrity clients. So you're hiring outside chefs to cook underneath you. Yeah. For them. That was a big part. That was a huge part. Exactly. Is when I got COVID and I was actually supposed to do Nick and Priyanka Chopra Jonas christmas party Mm -hmm. but i had covid and there was just no chance i was going to be able to do it so i had to hire people and you know i was doing my networking my connecting from my phone while i was sick and telling all the chefs where to be what to do what they like it made me more serious about making the profiles stronger like here's their allergies so i was just at home on my computer and there was a moment where I was like, I'm feeling a little bit happier right now. And it's embarrassing because I want to be the celebrity chef that everybody thinks I am. And that's such a huge part of my image. But I also feel happier just connecting and not worrying about if my plate is good enough and mm-hmm. not having the anxiety and the imposter syndrome and all that stuff. And for my mental health, doing what I do now is a lot better But even still, sometimes for the brand, I'm not sure if what I'm doing is as good for the brand. Because me as a chef is what people see me like to see, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. Do you still find yourself cooking every single day? Or have you really outsourced pretty much like 95% of it? So I've outsourced 100% of it. Oh, wow. Wait, that's amazing. I'm happy for you because I know you've been working at this. Yeah. For so long. I mean, that was like always the biggest bottleneck was you have 
so many people coming to you referrals just one athlete leads to the next and there's only so much time in the day and with food it is such a it's labor put, someone's of it's labor of love uh. they're putting it into their mouth you, you have to really trust someone to be able to cook under your brand and under your name and i yeah. remember for so many years that was something you really were focused on trying to figure out is like how do i scale my business because right now there's only so much time and I need other people to be able to do this. And you have made that shift. Yeah. Wait, how many how many chefs are underneath you? So we have 130 chefs in the Wholesome Network. So that's just people who've like registered, who signed up to work with us. I wouldn't say 130 chefs are active. It really depends on the month. But actively 20 here, mm-hmm. there. And then we've done a lot of full-time placements so we've probably full-time placed like so you're almost like an agency am, for yeah s- for chefs for yeah. home chefs so i'm guessing you take a uh, flat fee is it yeah. a percentage or is it a fee it's it's ch- it's changed a lot mm-hmm. it still changes sometimes but if if a client needs a full-time private chef in their home we take between 15 and 20 percent okay of the first year salary and That's we amazing. have a one-year guarantee. It's so they, really you have the celebrity clients sign a one-year guarantee? of. I sign a one-year guarantee saying that I'll make sure that you have a chef for this entire year, even if that chef leaves. Oh, Which okay. is pretty rare for an agency okay. to say that. Yeah. I'm going to back this for a whole year because people are flaky. Yeah. But yeah. And especially in the in the restaurant culinary space like there is such high turnover and back to what you were saying about feeling like an imposter like people probably look at it and they're like i went to like you know culinary school like how does she get to do this (laughs) da 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 and it's so cool to see that you can make things happen if you're just dedicated to learning and you're trying and you're putting yourself out there and there isn't like it's such an unconventional path but it doesn't make it right or wrong it literally doesn't matter there are some skills though that are really hard to teach like intuition or mm-hmm. are you just morally really sound mm-hmm. or not it's like i can't tell you not to be a bad person mm-hmm. like you're either that or you're not but if i can see that someone has the skills of being a really good human and they also have the skills of making food that is tasty and usually fresh and vibrant and light and really yummy and then <laughs> that they have like a lot of variety so they can make you know indian food mexican food asian food french food like i had one french chef and he worked at a ton of amazing michelin star french restaurants but he really could only make french food mm. and it was like the client wants asian food tonight and somehow his asian food tasted french but he had like a michelin star in his pocket and so it's interesting because there are different skills that make you successful as a private chef than a typical restaurant chef, especially because it's such an independent job. It's really you and you alone. And at a restaurant, you have a sous chef, an executive chef, a cleaner, line cooks, servers. Like yeah. In this industry, you are all of that. And you're also the grocery shopper and you also do your Jeez. invoices. Yeah. I, I feel like your like work-life balance as a home chef for someone full-time is not very good it it really depends on your client okay so the actual person that you're working for is the main thing that will make or break the private chef industry for you and some clients want breakfast lunch and dinner and they want breakfast at 6 a.m and they want dinner at 
10 p.m. and they want lunch at 4 p.m. and they expect everything to be homemade and they want you to make fresh desserts. So yeah, if that's your job, you might not. You're even just around have the clock for them better. for catering yeah. to these people all yeah. day long. Yeah. I mean, I've been with you, you know, working on the truck and you'll get a message from someone one of your high profile clients and they're like hey i just landed i yeah. need breakfast i still get and it's those like text messages. why wouldn't you and we would sit there and be and i'm like why can't like why wouldn't they just let you know like hey i'm gonna be back in la yeah on monday like at least a couple days notice but i get that they're busy yeah. and da, 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 that's just how, just how celebrities operate, operate. It's but like, if it, you really need breakfast go order yourself a doordash <laughs> or a postmate no, i order it for them still to this day i have several clients that will text me like hey i just landed you'll postmates food for them yeah i used to go get that money because they're still paying you i used to cook the food myself like even if they said i just landed and that's why when matt was talking about that grind like six or seven years of grind i would legitimately run to the grocery store bring all the food home and make it right then and there and go deliver it right then and there anytime 12 at night six in the morning anything but now I'm like, hey, that's not realistic. You know, as you do have more success or as I've had more success, I, I definitely have more boundaries. But if I can make something happen for somebody, I still will try. And that's another skill that I will look for in chefs is like, are you willing to do it? Mm -hmm. Like I told you they need breakfast, lunch and dinner. I forgot to mention they need dessert, but they just text me that they want, you know, chocolate mousse pie, whatever. And I text you, and some chefs will be super attitude-y, like, I'm not doing that. That wasn't on the papa. Like, I need more money just to do that. And I do understand, but also it's like, do that, and then you're going to attract more money. Like, I promise you. But it's hard to yeah. teach that attitude. You can't, like, you can't, you have to, it's like that classic quote where they say, like, you if you only do what you're getting paid for, what is the quote? It's, like, so applicable here. It's kind of like. It. It's kind of like if you only do what you're getting paid for, you'll only ever make that. But yeah. if you do more than you're getting paid for, you will. That's how you like make more money. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's true like because that. with my chefs, it's like the chefs that work at my company that have continuously bent over backwards for me. They're the first people I call when I get a bigger gig or more money. So I want mm -hmm. to give them the opportunities because I know they're going to be the type of person that can succeed at that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and when people are, you know, I need more money or I need more of this just to do that. Mm -hmm. I also understand. And I'm like, I can't say that you can't, you have to do that. You don't have to, but I'm also, yeah. I have to work with the people that are going, going above, above and, and beyond. beyond. Yeah. I have a question cause I'm curious. So I'm sure a lot of the viewers are curious. How much would you expect a full time home chef to make? Or how much should I pay someone to cook for me breakfast, lunch, well, dinner per day? I think before the pandemic, it was around 100000 Okay. But as gas has gone up and rent has gone up and pretty much Food. all salaries <laughs> have gone up. Food has gone up so much too. I think a generous salary now is 150000 Okay. It is wow. like a good, a really good salary. Like any private chef would be happy to make that. So I think that's potentially even on the higher end. But you're pretty much guaranteed to get a really good committed chef at that rate. So, I mean, a lot of clients fall somewhere in between those 100 to 150. Of course, I'm talking about, you know, LA. Mm -hmm. I don't know. In Idaho, you might be able to find a chef for $70,000. Yeah. And also there's other types of chefs. Like, you know, some people are a nanny slash chef and there are other types of people, the people mm -hmm. that they come do a little to Wholesome and they're really looking for those top tier chefs 
that's around what it would cost. 120, 100, 120, So what about one day? Like I just want a chef for a day. Like what's a day rate for a chef? It really varies. If you came to my company and you want a chef for a day, it would probably cost you $1,000. Oh, wow. But if you found a chef without going through an agency. And you're getting 15% of that. Yeah. That is amazing. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) If you found a chef on your own, Mm -hmm. you can probably get a chef to do it for 500, 400. It varies. Some chefs charge hourly. Yeah. But I prefer not to charge hourly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the only like home chef I have experience with is in my sorority. We had like a private chef and I don't even remember how much he was paid, but he was really good. But he was cooking for like a hundred girls every single night, which is so different. I honestly, as an agent, I really do wish I could tap into that type of a person that is going to be amazing and do the job amazingly for a little bit less. I do wish I could charge my clients a little bit less sometimes, but chefs in LA Mm -hmm. I think it's an LA thing especially because once I started my business down in San Diego chefs are willing to do the job for less yeah so is it a thousand dollars even if it's for one person versus four versus a family versus kind of (laughs) oh wow okay just like a minimum but because it's almost like a time thing right if you have to be committed for that much time right because yeah is that how you see it that's how I see it yeah. yeah okay and you're going to have to, the last minute requests always happen, especially with the clientele that I work with. And so it's like, they could say it's just one person and it's really easy and there's a cleaner, but you know, you show up and that day the cleaner is sick and mm. it's five people and then six more people walk in and, and you're not going to say no. You're not going to yeah, say so no. You, you kind of just always have to be on your toes and prepared for anything that they throw at you. So I like prefer to have a higher rate so that when they do it's like the chef calls me and it's like well yeah that's what you're getting paid for rather than the chef calls me and then it's like oh well i guess i could pay you you know a hundred dollars more let me just call the client but we we have really good contracts now so if it says in the contract if it's more than six people it'll be a hundred dollars per person and then clients always reimburse their groceries on top of that i was gonna (laughs) ask you did you does that a thousand dollars include groceries but it doesn't no What's the most expensive grocery run you've done? Oh, it's been expensive. I've done like lobster and Wagyu and caviar all in one meal. So, Well, one of the ones I helped you with was a 4th of July party for DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. And we just like balled out and got a bunch of stuff from Whole Foods. I mean, it wasn't the huge party. There was yeah. definitely what, like 50 people, but it yeah. was like so lobster. Was he was like... <laughs> go crazy with it right yeah but i'm sure you've done since then like way bigger parties and stuff but like that was pretty big yeah that was fun we were making sangria yeah (laughs) i don't know i can't think of the exact price but i've definitely spent five thousand dollars on groceries before in one run yeah oh my god it's crazy (laughs) me the other day i spent 240 dollars and then i found a 60 dollar coupon so i saved a little bit of money i was like this is a pretty big grocery run for me I just like coupons. <laughs> I think as I've been dating my current boyfriend, it's it's been putting light onto me about saving money more. And because I learned how to grocery shop as a private chef, because like we discussed, I was really young at that time. 
And so it was like, oh, you know, Ludacris is paying for it, so I'm just going to buy the nicest quality. I do think there is a middle ground of Mm -hmm. getting really good quality and also being very conscious of prices. Right. Like Like, some things don't make sense to maybe spend all that money on, but like maybe if it is the meat or maybe if it is the cheese. Yeah. Or like, and I know a big thing produce, for you. All of it. Yogurt, produce, butter. <laughs> and yeah, you can't skip on quality for anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how Well, I, I know am. a big thing for you was also like, you really prided yourself and you said this earlier, like, Farmers markets were a huge yeah. thing that you loved about here. And I know that's how you kind of have really differentiated yourself in the market because yeah. you always wanted to provide people with fresh food that they really feel like refreshed after. Yeah. And I know that like a lot of your meats and fish and stuff like that, you'd spend a lot of time at the farmer's market. Yeah. So and that's like, a huge part of the job is just going around to the best butcher and the best fish market and then going to the farmer's market. And that's still kind of how I live my life. So it's kind of funny because now I'm just a private chef for myself. Yeah. <laughs> but I still do. Do it's, you still cook a lot? I cook a lot. Yeah. I cook pretty much every meal for myself now. But when I was a private chef, I wasn't cooking for myself. And I wasn't even eating the food, which is really funny because a lot of chefs don't really want to eat their own food. Yeah. It kind of feels like your homework. Yeah. And so after work, I would just go get McDonald's or something. And I was like, I was going to the farmer's market and going to the butcher and getting all this nice food and making this beautiful meal. And then there'd be leftovers. And I'm like, I just want nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to eat that. Sometimes I, mean, I feel that way when I'm cooking for Matt and I, I'll be like tasting everything. And by the time I'm sitting down, I'm like, I don't want to eat yeah, this Yeah, you're not anymore. hungry anymore. Yeah. yeah. And you're that. smelling it. And yeah. And then it's like you're that nervousness for me. Like I just have a lot of nervousness with cooking especially when i'm doing it for other people which is why i essentially stopped but it was like that nervousness is like on the plate for me Mm. to eat Mm. but you know what i wouldn't bring it home but then like two hours later i always wished i had it (laughs) and if i ever did bring it home because i was just being really smart and my brain was smarter than what I thought I wanted in the moment if I brought it home and then I ate it, I'd be like oh wow this is way better than I thought it was yeah. <laughs> I was so always funny. super happy I, I mean there's like I'm just thinking back about all those times first of all it's so hard to navigate and move around LA in general yeah so like when you're going back and forth dropping off groceries going here going there traffic is just insane oh my like God, just my food truck alone I used to drive from Culver City to pick up my food truck in Van Nuys, to drive my food truck to Beverly Hills, to drop it back off in Van Nuys and then go home mm-hmm. and then cook for Ludacris. And then go do like a 50 person party that like night. Like it was it so, was, yeah, I was remember crazy. these days. You were working and it was crazy hours. Like insane. And it went, whenever it was like an event or a festival and I would come help out on some of them, it would be like, hey, can you want to help like prep the night before or like days before? So we're sitting on the truck like literally like chopping like potatoes and carrots and like preparing buckets of shit. And then we go and we drive and we do it. And then you have to go and then you have to clean up everything. Like people don't realize the amount of like after you've done a long shift, all this stuff, then you come back and you have to clean it. Not only that, if you're just on the food truck and we're out in San Bernardino, you're getting a little like a tiny water pressure coming from the thing there's not a lot of water you have to be conscientious about the amount of water you have for the weekend there's things that have happened like the truck is almost like caught on fire like (laughs) insane remember one time (gasps) we did the wedding in malibu wait first of all the groom the bride and groom told me that the only thing that is the most important that's on the menu is mashed potatoes because it's the groom's favorite food so i was like okay cool and we were at a 
a part at the wedding in Malibu, and I think it was Jen. Yeah, my sister. <laughs> Matt's sister, like, knocked over the mashed potatoes, and they spilled upside down, and they just all gone. Did you take off the bottom layer and save no, the other layer? I might have turned over the container, and there was maybe, like, one serving left. And yeah. I was like, and save that for, for the him. groom. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. no one else got the no. mashed potatoes. No. No. But I remember there was one time, like, when we were doing a festival and we were there all day, but then you had to come back to drop off food for one of your ludicrous ludicrous. And it's like four in the morning. We drove there the day before we worked all day. We cleaned. Now we have to drive two and a half hours. We get back. It's like 4 a.m. And then we have to get back to the festival oh God, the I next slept day. For like an hour. That yeah. was when I lived on Pickford place. I remember I slept for like an hour and then we just had to go back to the festival. I am so glad your life doesn't look like that I anymore. Because that, just even hearing that, just but at 30 years old, it was, I, my, I'm, I it was feel. like something about it was like, and again, this wasn't my life. I would just pop in every once in a while, but it was I'm that you get addicted to yeah. that like thrill. Yeah. And I think, you know, back when you were saying it, I didn't say anything because we took the conversation elsewhere. But when you were talking about, you know, now you're actually surprised to find that it's not as, you don't value hustle as much as you value work-life balance and what i was going to say is i think we've seen that the pandemic gen z we've seen a really big shift in culture yeah where people don't prioritize that hustle, hustle. life anymore they yeah. almost look down upon it like what's the point of working so hard like don't yeah. you want to like enjoy life and it is like a very millennial yeah. thing to be like very like grind hustle culture Girl Gary boss, yeah. yeah work hard hustle and I love the fact that we've kind of like gone a little bit out of that because I remember used to feeling all that pressure of just like constantly grinding, working. And now yeah. I'm like the best is to be able to like have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, right? but I feel like I have no regrets of my 20s, mm -hmm. um, maybe like one or two. But, <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, I'm just so thankful. Like sometimes I literally think it's another person and I'm like, thank you, baby Sammy, for putting <laughs> in that work. And I definitely don't regret putting in the hustle or the drive mm -hmm. to get to where I am. And there are days where I could, you know, watch TV on the couch right now. And, and you don't feel guilty about I'm it. I'm not. Yeah. And I'm also not unable to make a dollar whatsoever mm -hmm. because at that time if i had done that i wouldn't make a dollar right but i put you know roots down so that if i do that now there's residual from mm -hmm. all the hard work You've that i did it. yeah, yeah. does it almost feel like passive income to you like do you only have to work a handful of hours a week or do you are you still working like eight hours a day no, I'm definitely not working eight hours a day right now. Yeah. But sometimes I want to work a little <laughs> bit more again. <laughs> yeah. But I'm happy that right now I feel like I'm I'm not taking a break, but I'm definitely lifing a lot harder. But I get to travel, you know? It's I like know, I've work seen you traveling. You've always you loved traveling and hiking yeah. yes. and stuff like yeah. that. So like. I think it's just ebbs and flows. And mm -hmm. if there's something that I definitely don't regret, though, it's all the hard work that I put yeah. in. Totally. To get you're, to where I am. I mean, get, I wouldn't the have the business. Labor, for sure. It's like a baby. I think mm -hmm. it's like a baby. So when the baby is born, it's like you have to be up with it all night long. And then now my baby is like seven, eight years old. So it's like. It's cooking for know, itself now. Do your own thing. <laughs> seven, eight year old baby. <laughs> so what's the next step for you? Do you see this agency growing to like a much larger scale going nationwide? Or do you want to have like your own product, your own food line, your own like another 
food truck because you didn't talk about that you got rid of your food truck yeah right? i definitely don't want another food truck another chapter that i for sure don't regret <laughs> but um not something i would pursue i really want to stick to my agency i think I am so grateful that I was able to cook for all these people and those opportunities are still existing. And just because I don't want to be the one to do them, I, if they come across my computer or my desk and I can give it to someone who's very hungry and ready to hustle, I mean, that's to me, like I like doing that more now than anything else is just giving other people the opportunity and showing people that there is another way to be a chef or be a cook and have a different life than working in a restaurant and the fact that I was able to do it for so long and although maybe I said a few things like oh you know I don't miss it it's I still love it like right. I love that part of my life and I think other people will love it. it I don't think it's a very extremely sustainable life for your whole entire existence but for some years to make more money and to be able to make any type of food that you could ever dream of and to find the right client fit. And I really live to put those two people together. Like this client and this chef is like a oh, match cool. made in heaven. Yeah. And I'm excited to see them get to know each other. And when that chef gets to go on that client's private jet or when that chef gets to, you know, cater that client's wedding or, it you know, you. ends up adopting that client's dog's son. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's cool that my impact is reaching more people. So I think I'm definitely going to keep growing it. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I know you talked a lot about like the positives that have happened with being a home chef, but I don't think you've really talked about like the failures or the, the lessons you've learned, right? Because you don't have your food truck anymore. Yeah. So I feel like it would be really helpful to like know about the other side as well. Because yeah. it's, yeah. And like, I know firsthand it was definitely not smooth sailing and it might sound like it is now but yeah. like that's why your story is so inspirational so what are some of the things some of the failures being a private chef that you learned early on that maybe you learn the most from that people don't really know about because they see the demarcus cousins yeah. and Ludacris and the success but like what does that failure look it's like, like? I mean, I'm also only using the celebrities that would probably say good things about me, too, because <laughs> there are a lot of people that I cooked for that it didn't go well. I mean, right. I dropped a bottle, glass bottle of olive oil in someone's driveway and oh, it broke and shattered. And he kicked me out and told me that basically he's going to call the cops unless I leave right now. He fired you right away. Oh yeah. Was he the didn't first even day on the job. my groceries for the day. Oh, which I as like a 23 year old is. is really bad. Yeah, I won't say. I feel like I'm about to say I'm gonna Don't go. say I it. think I know who this is. He <laughs> is an actor, right? Um mm -hmm. he owns a very oh, big Oh. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I cooked for several people that it wasn't a fit. Jared mm -hmm. Leto is also one that mm -hmm. it just wasn't a fit. He seems like a tough guy to please. I <laughs> mean, that, that, don't take that yes. one personal. <laughs> yeah, I got kicked out before dinner was ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he knew right away. He was like, nope, wholesale mean it. <laughs> it was like, I did breakfast so and lunch and then dinner was like in the oven and his assistant came and was like, it's time to leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, like straight up, it's time to leave. Yeah, it's funny now, but like I was crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple celebrity clients that it didn't click, and I was crying when I left, but 
now looking back it doesn't affect me at all which is so interesting because you know that but in the moment it's still so tough Mm -hmm. yeah it's hard to take yourself out of there and see the bigger perspective even closing the food truck was like one of the toughest i think i wrote what made you decide to close it there were just too many times where it was can you cook for xyz no i cannot because i'm going to be working on my food truck and the numbers just weren't making sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would be out on my food truck from the morning till the night. And on a good day, we would gross, you know, a thousand dollars. And on a good day as a private chef, I could make a thousand dollars. But on the food truck, I had to pay for my staff, the food, the cost of gas and propane. And the overhead was insane. Yeah, the overhead. And the turnover with the employees. Insurance. I mean, yeah, Jesus. insurance. Yeah. There's a lot more liability. And at that point, I was like, I can just, you know, keep investing in just me and myself. And the clients are going to reimburse my groceries pretty much. That's like for someone who's not as good at math like myself, (laughs) the private chef business just makes a lot more sense because I can see the numbers so much clearer. It's like I'm going to be paid this day rate and they're reimbursing my groceries on the food truck. It was like, I don't know what's going on. For you to make um, the same amount of money running your food truck, you would need like 30 food trucks going around LA. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine. And also the type of food that does really well on a food truck is like trendy or like fried or just really crazy or they just have like a couple items. But we were really doing like farm to table food on a food truck, Mm -hmm. which it just doesn't work for a reason. When can I actually get one and or I get the recipe can you get the you can have you give the him recipe, the recipe right? this man talks yeah. about this bowl of goodness bowl Wait, i can totally so often. i have a whole sam food truck ebook yeah yeah i, I got it you. for part of the kickstarter that was like one of the deliverables <laughs> yeah i can i can definitely give you the recipe that's easy or that, we yeah. could just make it together yes yes can we because then i want to learn how to make it for him because yeah. he talks about it so fucking often let's do it I need to refresh my memory, but I feel like it's, it's honestly easy. It's pretty easy to make. Mm-hmm. You say, but that's classic. You say it that is, about everything. Yeah. It's like easy to make, but you still have to make like the tahini dressing, the tzatziki, the candied carrots. Then you have lettuce. Then you, you have to cook bulgur and then you have to saute the bulgur with onions, garlic, and spinach. Then you have to marinate chicken. Then you have to grill the chicken. So, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. a lot of components. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> Do you have like a bowl? Or, like, something you're famous for. Like, when people are like, oh, yeah, whole Sam is my chef. This is what, she, like, is her fucking thing. She does so well. You're good at steak, right? I yeah, I mean, steak, steak is my favorite food, so Same. I like making steak. But I think what I was actually famous amongst my clients for is the variety like the, there was like a joke amongst some some of my clients that i don't think you've ever made me the same thing twice so that oh, was like fun. more it's that's like great. the opposite of what you're you like asked. i don't even know how to make you the same thing exactly twice, yeah. if you ask yeah pretty much yeah i was like i don't even know what i did i was just like always flying by the seat of my pants and i'm still cook like that so yeah it was more i don't even know how to make it <laughs> yeah But it was like, it's more of a style than a specific dish. It's like, there's always something colorful. There's always something really crunchy. There's always a sauce. There's usually some sort of carb or grain or potato. There's always a lot of vegetables and then like a protein. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a bull mentality and it's colorful. That's my specialty. That just got me so hungry I'm thinking like about. Starving. Oh, yeah. I just remember how good all the like you would just whip up these crazy sauces in the Vitamix. I'm like, how do you make that? You're like, it's easy. Just throw shit in there. Like, no. I bought I bought us a Vitamix because you convinced me about how amazing it was. Or was it you? I did talking about Sam. You. Yeah, yeah. Using I, I love. I still love Vitamix. I don't utilize it the way I should. I make smoothies with. I'm it. I'm gonna send yeah. you some sauce recipes. Oh my! Remember that one time. 
where you asked me like, what do you put in your smoothie? This was like so long ago, maybe like 10, 12 years ago. Do you yeah. remember that or no? What you put you in were in smoothie? my backyard with your brother. Yeah. And you're like, what do you put in your smoothies? And it was like this long list of shit. What do you put in your yeah. smoothies? What do you put in it? Right now? Yeah. My smoothies now are like so boring. They used to be like so elaborate. But now I just put uh, frozen mixed berries, flax, hemp seed, protein powder, creatine. What do you use to blend it up? Vitamix. No, like what liquid? Almond milk. Oh, just Almond water. Milk. I just throw water. Oh, in just there. water. Wow, it's really gross. I was gonna say that doesn't. It's sound not good. like it's not like some. Yeah, it's like <laughs> calorie effective. Yeah, but so that's, bad. That's yeah. I hate when he drinks it because the second I kiss him afterwards, I get the grossest aftertaste in my mouth. I'm like, <laughs> you just drank your smoothie bowl. I know it. Yeah, that's hilarious. Anyways, <laughs> um, but back to like your story and stuff. Do you have like people who reach out for like mentorship or anything? Like, yeah. Do you are you interested in that or no? Because like I think one of the most fascinating parts about your story is like you did stuff so unconventionally, yeah, and like to the point where you didn't even know what I was doing. You didn't even like (laughs) you didn't you have to like uh, like you're saying when you cook for Ludacris, you were like googling like how do I cook chicken? Yeah, like I was. That's crazy. How much of a bet you took on yourself and like you're probably terrified. And I think people get really. Um, have a misconception that when people do stuff like that, they aren't scared or terrified. But actually, they are. They just do it anyways because the yeah. it outweighs the of uh, not doing it, right? And you I th- know, I actually don't think I was that terrified when I was cooking for Ludacris. Mm-hmm. I think I was so young and so naive that I was just keep moving. Like, I was just going through motions. Mm-hmm. I have a lot more terrified or anxiety now that i'm older Mm. for some reason interesting i feel i don't know if you guys feel that way but when i was younger i feel like it was easier to take risks Mm -hmm. and just yeah you have no responsibility yeah you don't even realize how big i I feel like i didn't even realize exactly how big it was i mean i knew it was cool because i got to call people and be like i cook for ludicrous and then their reaction was cool so i knew it was exciting but i don't remember being terrified Mm. and it just it gave me a lot of hours under my belt doing it at that age. But yeah, people reach out to me a lot. The main question that people will ask is how do I get into the private chef space? Mm-hmm. And that is just check out wholesale. Yeah. I mean, that is like sign up for the agency. It's like, I don't know how to tell you how to like meet a celebrity at a random party. Yeah. But there are other agencies that do what I do. There's other private chefs. So if you don't have an in, you just need to find your in, like, to anything else. And if you're not good enough to cook for my company right now, I probably won't just, like, give you a free bone. So then you have to go work at a restaurant. I mean, it's been amazing having you on here. Like, how can, you know, people check you out? What's the website for your agency if they wanted to get involved? Wholesam on everything. So wholesam.com would be if you want to hire a private chef. Wholesam on Instagram if you want to follow me. and Go follow yeah, wholesome. Yes. Hell yeah. Well, right. good episode. I'm so glad we got to do this. Yes. And if you guys haven't already, make sure to leave us a comment down below. Let us know what you guys think about being a private chef and if you can make it in the industry or not, because I don't think I could. <laughs> I'm I'm like the biggest, most insecure cook ever. I always have to ask Matt 20 times after I so cook him a meal. So many times. I'm like, it's good. Just stop asking. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> Anyways. All right. Well, make sure to give us those five stars, baby. And we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.